Hey everybody, it's Kai. Thanks for downloading the Corner Office Podcast. This time, I'm talking to Steve Swartz. He's the CEO of the Hearst Corporation. It's a company that's been in the content business for 132 years. Corporate headquarters are in Manhattan, New York City. And I sat down with Steve Swartz in a conference room way up on the 44th floor of that building. We're expecting you. Won't you have a seat? Ready to go to work? Steve Swartz, welcome to the program. Thank you. I don't know that you probably go to many dinner parties where people don't know who you are, but if you're out and about and, and somebody says, Steve, what do you do? Nice to meet you. How are you? What do you say? Well, I, I, I usually don't feel the need to define Hearst as a company, but interestingly enough, as the conversation would go on, I, I think for most people, uh, we are uh, thought of uh, as predominantly a newspaper and magazine company, which is fine because we love those businesses. But I think after a while, the fact that we're in a lot of other things comes out and actually tends to take people by surprise. So tick them off for me, the other things this company does, because I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised. Well, we're predominantly a television company. We uh, we own 20% of ESPN, our fabulous partners at the Walt Disney Company mm-hmm. own the rest. Uh, we and Disney co-own the A&E networks, largely the A&E channel, the History Channel, and the Lifetime Channel. That's a 50-50 partnership with Disney. And then we own 33 local television uh, stations across the country, uh, in Boston, Sacramento, Orlando, Florida, and, and roughly half of those are ABC. So that's also a, a strong uh, Disney partnership. How often do you talk to Bob Iger? That's, this is a sideways question. You know, I, I find it's easier to email him. He's very busy. <laughs> and uh, I must say, you get an email back from Bob uh, with lightning speed. Um, television, yes, but also uh, newspapers and magazines, right? Yeah, well, you know, the original business going back to yeah. 1887 was the San Francisco Examiner. We we ended up owning the Chronicle uh, mm-hmm. uh, over time there. And so, yeah, we have uh, we have uh, 20 newspapers and, and literally hundreds of magazines around the world and some of the great uh, brands, Cosmopolitan, Harper's Bazaar, Good Housekeeping. So you're a guy who gets a vote in the media that American and and worldwide consumers uh, have at their disposal. How are you thinking about that environment today when it is fractured? There are various segments of audience that want different things. As you sit uh, at the top of this tower, what's your approach? Well, the, 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 I think that there, the business model has certainly become more difficult. Uh, it's better for consumer. I mean, this is an absolutely phenomenal time to be a consumer of, of media of, of any kind. I think the business model is harder and there's a premium on uniqueness. I, I, I think uh, unique content, whether it's television content or newspaper journalism or magazine journalism, unique content can still can still cut through. So what do you look for as the guy who, I mean, you don't make the, all the content decisions, but what are you looking for? Well, you know, we're looking for things that makes a difference in people's lives. So take, for example, uh, our Houston Chronicle had a very impactful uh, series that ran recently, uh, uh, more than a year's worth of work on uh, uh, problems of sexual abuse in the, in the uh, Southern Baptist uh, uh, church. And, you know, um, you know, and, and I think that is leading uh, the, the leaders of that organization to put in some needed reform. So there's an example of a very impactful uh, bit of journalism that does cut through and make a difference. Do you swallow hard at the investment that has to be made 
to get that kind of journalism done? Because it's a big nut. No, I mean, uh, you know, we've been in the business a long time, and I think that we're we're fortunate that uh, all of our divisions stand on their own two feet. You know, the newspaper uh, industry uh, has struggled, and uh, much is written and talked about that. But you know, our our newspapers are still profitable and and can afford to fund good journalism in their communities. So say that again. Your newspapers are still profitable. I mean, that's you know, that's an achievement in and of itself nowadays. Well, I think uh, more and more uh, uh, quality newspapers are are finding ways to uh, adapt with, you know, you look at, I think the New York Times is doing very well. The the Washington Post is doing very well. I, I think the uh, uh, good newspapers are breaking through. They're, they're gaining new digital subscribers and, uh, and uh, there's a strong ad market for uh, publications that reach a, a good audience, whether it's print or digital. I, I don't want to go too far down the newspaper rabbit hole, but New York Times and the Washington Post are the easy winners. The Houston Chronicle is a sizable newspaper in a sizable city. There is a gap, though, in local journalism in this country and what's being covered literally at the town level. Well, I, I do think a, a number of newspaper companies, regrettably, uh, back in the day, made too many acquisitions, uh, uh, got got uh, caught in a, a debt situation. So th- there are there are publications uh, struggling, and the fact is, advertisers want more digital solutions and and less print, and so uh, there is a need for for newspapers across the spectrum from really small to, to medium size to, uh, to advance digitally. And some have done it and some are a little behind in that. I ought to pause here for a second to point out that you're a newspaper guy from way back. You started mm-hmm. as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. I did. I was an intern uh, for the journal when I was in college and uh, uh, started a couple of days after graduation. Do you recognize that kind of uh, career path today? I mean, do you see that, right? This is 35 years ago. You started at the bottom. You know, I think that uh, what's great about, the, you know, we, we see kids coming out of the journalism schools today. And when, with all that has been written and said about the difficult business model, it's heartening that, that people still have the calling. I mean, and uh, we see in, the, in this uh, political climate, uh, you know, the importance of journalism in this, in this era of, uh, uh, of so much uh, uh, being trafficked on social media that that isn't true for one reason or another. I mean, uh, journalism makes a big difference. And, and luckily, I think that there's still a, you know, the, the, the generations that, that came after I got out of school, uh, there's still enough people who believe that. Talk to me for a second about running this company. Uh, you're doing well business-wise and bottom line. You're making lots of acquisitions. How do you go about now growing and increasing the footprint of the Hearst Corporation? Well, you know, I said before that we're uh, uh, predominantly a television company yeah. today, but another thing that we've been able to do over many years is to also make a pivot, a very important pivot for us into business data and business software, and thus an, another example of information. Uh, you know, we started, I would argue that our first product, uh, the San Francisco Examiner, uh, was a vital source of information, services, and entertainment to the community. And, uh, you know, 132 years later, we're still in the information, entertainment and services business. But I would say increasingly the information, uh, the acquisitions that we're making are, are, are business information or medical information or financial information. And the services we're providing are increasingly software services. Explain that to a layperson, right? Business data information. Well, um, uh, the biggest uh, business that we own in that field is the Fitch bond rating business that, uh, that competes around the world 
world with Moody's and S&P to opine on the safety of, of bonds that are issued around the world and is a vital part of the capital markets process. We own a portfolio of, of five uh, uh, medical uh, data or software companies. Uh, one of our uh, our longest uh, uh, running uh, business in the medical field, uh, First Data Bank, is the country's uh, largest data source of drug interaction and drug dosing. So it helps uh, pharmacists and doctors understand what drugs go with another drug or what dose should be given if uh, it's to a child or someone who's pregnant or what have you. And then we own a software business called Home care home base, which is the uh, leading operating system for the home care and, and hospice uh, industry. So uh, we also own another uh, business that's in the uh, aircraft safety and maintenance uh, company called Camp. So from a, uh, from a start in trade publishing yeah. back 50 years or so ago, a few of those businesses got into gathering data about their industry. And now we have uh, a thriving set of businesses that will generate this year about 40% of the company's total profits. And, and also in that diversification, protect you from the ups and downs. Well, we think so because, uh, you know, these businesses are growing at largely double digit rates. There is a tremendous market for really unique, uh, data sets or really unique software sets that are helping businesses grow. Just because you mentioned Fitch, that got my mind thinking to uh, the Great Recession and uh, the bond uh, problems that that brought about part of that uh, financial calamity. Big picture for me now, as you look at a guy running a major corporation in this economy, how do you feel? Well, if you're talking about Fitch in general, I mean, well, I'm I, talking I, about the economy in general, right? Oh, I mean, how, Fitch is doing its thing, right? Okay. But but oh, how do we feel about the economy? Yeah. Well, obviously, we're very long in the cycle. Uh, one has to feel based on history uh, that a recession is certainly possible in the next uh, few years. Um, obviously, the trade issues are, are causing certain segments of the economy uh, more, more trouble than others. That said, right now, I think for our types of businesses, whether it's in the medical field or whether it's Fitch or, or whether it's our media businesses, the economy, uh, the U.S. economy is, is, is still pretty darn good. Being a, as diversified as you are uh, on that list of companies you just went through, who's your competition? We don't look at a particular company and say that, obviously. Our television stations compete head-to-head -head with five or six others in their market, and clearly our national consumer media businesses in the digital area, you know, you've got Facebook and Instagram and Google mm -hmm. and YouTube and what have you. And obviously in the bond rating business, you got Moody's and S&P with Fitch, but we don't really look at a particular company as a competitor. Uh, we have a number of competitors in a number of different markets. Let me ask a question a different way then. What keeps you up at night? Oh, I think, uh, you know, Right now, n nothing specific. I, hmm. I think if we continue to execute, look, will there be a recession and will that, will that hit our businesses? I think so. But we're in very strong uh, financial shape. We have a very strong 
balance sheet, plenty of cash in the bank. Uh, so I, what I worry about on a day-to-day basis is 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 just executing. You know, uh, we've got to continue in each one of our businesses to keep innovating uh, because when you don't innovate, someone else is gonna is gonna pass you by. But here you are, a hundred and thirty-something year old legacy company, uh, trying to stay out ahead of all these, you know, young upstarts, for want of a better phrase, that you, that you have to then think about how to compete against. Tricky, I, I tricky really, or no? I really feel good about where we are. If you look at our major businesses, we have great leaders at the business. Uh, you know, Jimmy Pataro running at ESPN, or Paul Buccieri at A and E, and you know, Paul Taylor at Fitch. I mean, we, we I think we've got great brands, and I really like our position, and I really like the fact that um, really for a hundred and. 30 some years now this company has a history of 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 innovating to of taking our skills and moving into adjacent markets finding new pockets of growth and since we've been able to do it for 132 years i'm reasonably confident we can keep doing it a couple of questions about how you stay plugged in when you get up in the morning what's the first thing you do you grab your phone and, and have a look what do you do I look at, I, I see what emails came in overnight and, uh, and then I start reading, uh, newspapers, actual newspapers or online. I prefer the real thing. First thing in the morning, if I can get it. Fair enough. Um, define for me your management style, would you, how do you, how do you run this company? Well, I, I, I'm fortunate in that this company has been run so well for, for, for so many years. Uh, my predecessor, Frank Bennett, ran the company for 29 years and is one of the real giants of our industry. And so, uh, you know, I've just tried to follow along in a lot of the things that, that, that he laid down. And of course, William Randolph Hearst was one of the more, most innovative businessmen of his time. So, you know, I think that uh, I try to just follow in that, uh, keep trying new things, keep a spirit of innovation, uh, spirit of partnership, uh, uh, you know, keep uh, uh, thinking about things that, you know, you want to behave in a way that if it got written on the front page of the New York Times, you'd still be able to go to church and you'd still be able to look your family in the eye. And I think that these are principles that we've lived for a long time. And uh, I'm just trying to keep it going. You have a daily staff meeting? No, no. We, uh, we get our senior management team together about once a month. Uh, once a week, you know, I, I probably see each one of our division heads and, you know, um, my partner in running the company, our chief operating officer, Mark Alden, I probably talked to him several times a day, our chief financial officer, Matures, I talk to them probably a, a, every day and uh, talk to each one of our division heads uh, probably several times a week, but try not to have too many formal meetings. You said a couple of times in this interview, this company's been around for 132 years. William Randolph Hearst has been invoked. The original product, San Francisco Examiner, has been invoked. Uh, in 50 years, when you are long gone and there's a portrait of you out there in the hallway, as there is uh, of your predecessor, what does this company look like? You know, because we've evolved, it, it, in some levels, it's hard to say. But I, I think that uh, clearly this march uh, of... Uh, getting more involved in data, more involved in software. Uh, but I think all of our media brands will still be here, uh, will have evolved digitally. And, you know, look, uh, 
we're in this world of artificial intelligence and machine learning, and the world is changing so fast, and it's so fascinating. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think any of us can truly predict uh, what the world's going to look like in 50 years, but we'll keep evolving, and uh, uh, we, we've never given up on any business or, or any brands, and so, uh, but uh, we'll be in new things, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. This is a little sideways, but I'm curious to see what you'll say. You are the chairman of the Associated Press, right? Yes. You are also on the board of uh, Lincoln Center. Yes. Uh, you're active in the Business Roundtable, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And something about the Partnership for New York, right? Partnership for New York City is our yeah. is our business group here in New right. York. Very effective. Why do you do all that extracurricular stuff? Well, I think, uh, for one thing, everybody who's fortunate enough to, to, to get in a position like this uh, has a responsibility to, 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 to help out and to try to bring the resources of a great company like Hearst uh, to some of the problems either in the community or the industry. It's also good business. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you establish your credibility and your company's credibility when you're on a board like Lincoln Center or New York Presbyterian Hospital, which I'm also on and my predecessor is also on and was the chairman of. Uh, he was also the chairman of Lincoln Center and still is on that board. Um, I think that we we uh people see you rolling up your sleeves dealing with problems you meet other ceos you meet heads of private equity firms so i think it's good for our business but i think it's also important in 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 this day and age as it's always been uh the companies that are that are uh fortunate enough to be successful you know have to get out there and and help uh help try to solve some problems in the community let me try one last thing and, and we'll, uh, we'll see how you do. I do this every now and then with CEOs. Some of them get it, honestly, and some of them don't. Uh, what is your job in five words or less? To create an environment for talented people to succeed. I was like nine, but I'll give you that. Steve Schwartz, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you very much, Guy. That was it. My conversation with Steve Swartz, the CEO of Hearst. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do get your podcasts. Leave us a review as well, if you would. The Corner Office Podcast is produced by Bridget Bonner. This episode by Daisy Palacios. Marketplace on the radio is produced by Nancy Fargali. Satar Nieves is the executive producer of On Demand. Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager. I'm Kai Rizdal. Another episode for you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>